welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm chatting with Janie Riley, the CEO and founder of WeSleep. She's an expert infant and toddler sleep consultant who works with families around the globe to help solve sleep challenges in a positive and personal way so that babies can rest and thrive and parents can rejoice. Janie is a single mother who launched We Sleep after realizing how important infant and toddler sleep is while struggling with her own child's sleep issues. Knowing that many other parents were experiencing similar issues, it inspired her mission to provide babies and families with healthy sleep. Today, I'm chatting with Janie about baby sleep myths. As parents, we all hear sleep tips and rules from friends, family, and of course, the internet. But is everything we hear accurate? We're going to find out. But first, I want to thank our friends at Unbundled for sponsoring this podcast. I received an Unbundled Swaddle box recently, and I love how this box takes the guesswork out of giving and receiving. The Unbundled Swaddle Box is a great option for a family with a new baby because no parent knows exactly what swaddle their baby will like, and the best gift you can give a parent is more sleep. The Unbundled Swaddle Box includes four of the most loved and tested swaddles on the market. I know and have used all of the swaddle brands with my babies and my postpartum doula clients' babies and can agree that they are quality options that will give your baby the best chance to fall asleep. I also really like that after testing the swaddles to see which is best for your little one, the lightly used swaddles can be sent back and will be donated to a baby in need. These beautifully packaged swaddle boxes are available in three color combinations, making this the perfect registry item or gift for a friend. To check out these amazing products, visit Unbundled online at unbundledco.com or at unbundledco on social media. Thanks, Unbundled. Now let's welcome Janie to learn more about baby sleep and get the real scoop on these common sleep myths. Hi, Janie. We're so grateful to have you on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. You know, to begin, we always like to get to know our guests in case, you know, our listeners are not familiar with you. I want to know your experienced sleep issues. You said that you had some issues on your site when you had your son, when he was a baby. Can you tell us, you know, and make us feel a little bit more normal here. (laughs) Can you tell us about that and how it led you to where you are today? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess the question is what issues didn't I have would be (laughs) kind of more real. I really thought that I had the whole sleep thing down pat. I had, you know, read every book, talked to girlfriends. I had my cheat sheets. I was ready to, you know, okay, he's going to eat at this time. He's going to sleep. He's going to do this, this, and that. And I'm going to work out when he does this. And I'm going to cook dinner when he does this. And Anyway, I have him, a beautiful baby boy, and basically everything turned upside down. And he did not sleep. He did not eat properly. He cried all the time. And yeah, I had no idea what to do, thinking I was so prepared and everything kind of blew up. So kind of long story short, at the four, just before, about four months, actually, I was going to say closer to five, but four months, we were kind of fed up with the fact that he wasn't sleeping. I just knew something wasn't right. And if it was, you know, stress, me, whatever it was, we had to make some changes. We hired a sleep consultant who was amazing. We were in the middle of BC, in the middle of nowhere at the time. We're like, who knew there's such thing as a sleep consultant. And she came to our home and literally within three nights, my guy was sleeping through the night. I had like 
I was like, oh my gosh, is this even happening? You know, I finally had time to eat a proper meal, have a shower. And that kind of just led me to really understanding, you know, how I felt during that time. But then what sleep did. And after that, my wheels got spinning and kind of that's how the whole we sleep story came to be. But my life was completely turned upside down. So it's amazing what sleep can do. Isn't it? Oh my gosh. It's like essential. I am not the same person if I don't have sleep. So oh, no. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, neither am I. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> well, that makes us feel a little bit more normal that, you know, it's pretty much everyone has these issues and it's just figuring out what works for you and your baby. And you were obviously so inspired that you decided, oh my gosh, I want to help mom. So I love that. So Janie, I know that you were just saying that you were with your, your husband, your spouse, and with your son figuring out the sleep system that would work best for your family. Once you became a single mom, you know, that must've been so tough. What do you think are the key actions that helped you and your son achieve better sleep during that time? Yeah, you know, I think the the key thing is consistency and just honoring sleep. Really, like honestly, routine and being consistent about scheduling. And everything seems to fall into place after that. When you have a healthy sleeper that has solid sleep skills and you're keeping things on track, I think that is the key because then, you know, obviously the child is rested. So then that gave me time to work, do stuff around the house, take care of me. So it's making sure that you use your time wisely and creating good habits and scheduling. I think that's like the key and and routine. That's babies thrive off of it. Children thrive off of it. We as adults thrive off of routine and consistency. That's the key, I think. Yeah, the magic sauce. I Mm -hmm. totally agree with you. And now I need to know more about you, Janie. Tell us, you said that this is what inspired you, but you know, where are you from? What made you decide I'm going to start this whole company and -hmm. have all these consultants and be this basically like badass mom helping all these other moms. So I need to know the story. We need to know. Yeah, no, no, that's a good question. So basically, I was in the wine world for quite some time. I uh, was marketing account manager for many years. And then I worked for Disney prior to starting this company. I worked for Disney on an online kids game as a marketing manager. And long story short, I've always been a corporate person. And I had my son and I literally was like, there is no way I'm going back to the corporate world. Like I can't do it. I can't leave him. I just want to be with him. I want to be there when he grows up and, and not miss a single moment. And so I've always been a very marketing kind of branding, go, go, go kind of business person. So when I decided to become a sleep consultant. I I looked to find where I could get training and I took my training and I thought, you know what? I want to just do this as kind of a part-time gig. I want to be able to work from home, have time with my little guy and just create a decent income, nothing crazy. And I thought, you know, I can do this. I really feel that it'll give me, you know, I have the entrepreneurial, the business, the marketing, the branding, like that's my jam. And one thing led to another. And after about almost kind of a year of the business, I couldn't keep up with the business. And then I just would always kind of like play around with ideas and, you know, kind of 
few years later in 2015, I guess I started, uh, I developed a business model to expand the team because so many people were asking me how they would, could become a consultant. And then I couldn't keep up with the business. So, and I knew that there was so much more to give to this world in terms of sleep. And there was a service that I could really inspire women to build their businesses using. And that's kind of how it came to be. So, you know, here we are today and I have yeah, 42 consultants and we're going to add probably another 50 to 60 this year. Now I just, I mean, I, I coach the team, but I build the business more than anything. And yeah, so this, none of this was planned, put it that way. <laughs> like, If you asked me like 12 years ago, if I was going to be a sleep consultant, I'd be like, first of all, what is that? And secondly, not a chance. But now I'm like, this is like the greatest thing and, you know, greatest job that I can, you know, have a team and inspire women to have a business. Most of them are moms and all of us moms are helping other moms and dads around the globe get healthy sleep, parents, kids, families, like it's awesome. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. And I have to say, I think the best gift you can give a mom is sleep. Like Mm. for sure. It's so funny how, you know, they say, oh, roses and wine and chocolate, like before you have kids or the way to, you know, your spouse's heart. Now I'm like, just let me sleep in. That's the aphrodisiac now. Like now it's like, just let me sleep, take care of the kids. That'd be great. It's true. It's bliss. It's so true. So Janie, as parents, there's so much information, as you know, circulating when it comes to raising our children. And it can be really overwhelming and impossible to know what information is accurate and what might be untrue. When it comes to sleep, there are several common sleep myths. How often do you see parents come to you with misinformation about baby sleep? Quite often. I mean, it's, and it's great because there's tons of information out there. Like you said, there's books, there's blogs, there's, you know, everything. Like there's every resource you can possibly imagine. And there's lots of great info out there. But a lot of people come thinking that scheduling should be different or eating habits should be different. Like there's a lot of things that come into play. But like seriously, 98% of the time people are coming to us and they are doing things completely backwards or, And I shouldn't even say that because that sounds really negative, not even completely backwards. There's a lot of things that they have read or looked at that they're following. And it's like just a few tweaks to that. And we're like, okay, no, you know what? We're going to switch this and here's why we're going to take this and move this here. And you know, here's why. And when we make those changes, we help them understand kind of where things were going sideways or why things weren't working out for them. So everyone's so different, right? People can people are going to want to feed their baby to sleep. People are going to want to, you know, rock their baby to sleep or hold their baby to sleep, whatever it is. And it's to create an independent sleeper. We have to take away those props and those dependencies and we can do it in a loving way. But when people come to us, put it this way, most people are ready for change. They know they have to change things. Right. Yeah. They know that, Hey, this isn't working. I'm obviously exhausted. I've reached the end of my rope. I got to do something about it. Yeah. And they're prepared. They're like, okay, so like what's going on? And that's what we like to do is educate people when we are coaching them, right? To help them understand why their baby is waking numerous times or not falling asleep or not taking naps or whatever the case may be. It's about education. And and sometimes it's just a few little tweaks to what they're doing, or sometimes it's a whole complete rework. 
that makes sense. So I want to dive into some of these myths that you've, I'm sure, have run into with clients or just reading online and also the actual facts behind them. So I know we have all heard this one. Some babies just don't need that much sleep. I've actually heard this from a friend like, no, 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 my baby just does not need that much sleep. She only needs like 10 hours of sleep. Like she's been that way since four or five months old and only wants two naps and da, 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 da. What are your thoughts on, on this? Well, my thoughts are that I typically will go, okay, well, that a lot of people will do that because that's their norm and they're accepting that that's what their baby needs because that's what their baby does. Whereas perhaps there's habits and scheduling that if they tweet things, their baby would sleep longer and stronger. And, you know, babies need sleep. First of all, most babies need 11, 12 hours for sure, up to at least, you know, at least a year. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, two years old, they might need a little bit less, but we look at all those things. It's very rare that a baby only needs 10 hours of sleep, for example. But we do hear that from parents. And, you know, I will often I have in the past, not challenged clients, but said, Hey, you know, let's see what changes after working with us because, you know, we we will fix some other things. And all of a sudden their baby's sleeping for 12 hours and taking proper naps because a lot of the times when parents say, this is what my child does, or this is all my child needs. This is the way my child's always been. That's because they've set themselves up for that. And at the end of the day, I also look at behaviors in that child during the day. So maybe that child that sleeps for 10 hours at night might be crying for a big part of the day, complaining in between naps because of being overtired. Like there's a gazillion things that can shake down, but at the end of the day, every baby needs sleep and tons of sleep. That is like the golden ticket to health and development and all that good stuff. So, you know, quite often, you know, we have heard that quite many times. And then when we work with the client and we fix habits and then they're sleeping longer and stronger, then we go, but, or we have often heard too, Oh, my, my baby never naps. My baby hasn't napped. Like, you know, she's one and a half years old and she hasn't napped for like six months. And yeah, that's just the way she's not a napper. Like not a chance, but we hear that. And you know, two years old. Oh yeah, no, my baby hasn't taken a nap in a year. Like what? My four-year-old still naps. Like I will hold on to that nap for as long as I, until he goes to kindergarten and can't. Like that's oh, how long that's I'm holding what happened it. happened to me. I was like, oh my gosh. So I had to drop my son's nap when he went to kindergarten, but I literally like purposely only put him in two days a week to start because I could then preserve the naps for the other days. And then he wanted to go for five days. He loved it so much. And then I was like, okay, I'm hanging on for the weekends. The weekends, I still have naps on the weekends. And then when they went, I was like, no. <laughs> it's so true. So I'm glad. Okay, I'm not the only one just clinging on to that nap. No. And you even said 12 hours. My He goes to bed at 7. He wakes up at 7. We're still doing 12 hours, even at 4 years old. My son's 11 and he sleeps 11 hours. Okay, so. there we go. Yeah. yeah. So sleep really is that important. When does it get to a smaller number than 11 hours? Like when does that age shift? So then us listeners can understand like, okay, they really should be getting this amount of sleep per night. Honestly, like until I really they're older, like I, I mean, I can, again, it depends on the child, but I can confidently say that no child under the age of 
four or five should be getting less than 11, 12 hours sleep a night. Yeah. Okay. For Good to sure. Know. Yeah. yeah. So another one that I know you've heard is sleeping is natural and can't be taught. I want to mm-hmm. know, is this true or no? No, sleeping can be taught. I mean, and yeah, because I mean, obviously it is natural, but you know, it depends on what things are happening before and during and through the day, but it, it can be taught. Are maybe some kids better sleepers? Yes, but not when they learn at a young age and that habit and that skill is, you know, practiced and practiced and carried into adulthood. Like it's so, yes, it can be taught. We can teach children and, you know, by scheduling, proper scheduling and routine and consistency and teaching them to fall asleep on their own, you know, with the comfort of their parents or stuffed animal, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it absolutely can be taught. Is it a natural thing? Yes. But can we tweak that natural thing within us? We absolutely can. Yeah. And that's interesting. I do want to specify, you said with the care of like a parent or a stuffed animal, because I know that it's a certain age. When can a stuffed animal be that, you know, I guess, soothing technique to help them calm or soothe themselves? Yeah. So that's a good question. And, you know, I always kind of tread lightly here because it's everyone's personal opinion. Obviously, some things can be unsafe. Obviously, we will recommend a child use a security blanket of some sort, a super safe one, obviously thin, you know, really super light with like the little animal head blanket or something. A lot of parents will introduce around the six month mark. And again, that's a personal preference. You know, our safety measures and um, health groups will, you know, associations will say over a year um, just for safety concerns. But quite often, you know, most many of our parents and people that we work with will use one around the six month mark gives them comfort. They can touch it. They can rub their face with it. Yeah. It's that sense of, you know, just self-soothing security. Right. So you're telling parents that we understand that some resources say wait till a year, but we know that some of our parents go at six months, but do what you feel is comfortable for you and your child as you understand the risks and benefits of, you know, each decision, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We always, you know, like obviously we have to make sure everyone's taking proper precaution in terms of safety for their children you know, checking in with the doctor if they're not sure, but it's their personal preference. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. So Janie, sleep training, you know, this can be so controversial. It's a controversial subject. Oh my goodness. I see it on social media all the time. I don't know how you guys do. We just talk about it barely and get feedback on this and you doing this as a living. I can only imagine the feedback that you get from people. What do you think of the opinion that sleep training can affect the parent-child bond. Okay, so yes, that comes up a lot. And, you know, obviously I do what I do because I don't think it can negatively affect the bond when it's done properly. When it's done properly. I like how you said that. What do you mean by that? Well, very hands-on, very loving, very giving, not just like closing the door and see, see you later, fall asleep on your own. You know, there's eye contact, there's touch, there's security, there's no sense of fear or an abandonment. And there's no reason why a bond, you know, wouldn't be strong with all those things than, you know, healthy sleep, which means better, calmer days to bond and cuddle and have this great relationship without a cranky baby. Or cranky mommy. Yeah, because that's over the top, right? Like, because that's like, that's so fun, 
right? I personally, I, I don't feel it will, you know, affect any parent bond at all when, you know, there's love and there's support, eye contact again, touch, see, hear, smell, all that good stuff. It's all there when it's done properly. Yeah. Again, I really like how you say done properly because I think you're right. There is such a misconception that sleep training is always cried out and always, you know, shut the door and see what happens kind of thing. So I love that it. you are saying that it can be taught in a loving and correct way. That's really reassuring, I think, whenever parents do hear that because I'm sure some parents are a little reluctant, like, oh, do I want to sleep train? Is that going to be bad for my baby? Mm-hmm. Do you hear that or do yeah. you ever get concerns? And how do you address that with parents? Yeah, we will explain to them the benefits of sleep. And we also, you know, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of parents are just actually fearful of taking, let's say, a soother or pacifier away. They're more scared than the child. They're more scared to like disrupt things than their little one. And then they're actually like pleasantly surprised at how wonderfully their child responded to change. Right. So helping people understand, you know, when we work with them, how we're supporting them, how they're supporting the child, what that means for the child, what that means for their days and their nights and behaviors for the parents and the child down the road, eating habits for the child down the road and the parents down the road. You know, when we're tired, we crave carbs and fats and junk. Same goes for kids and babies or, you know, so there's a lot of things that come into play. So, you know, and and to be honest with you, the people that, you know, are total anti-sleep training and I hate the word sleep training because I always feel like we're like training dogs or something. I feel like we're training, you're training more of the the parent than the child, you know? We are. And yeah, like we are coaching the parent and educating them. That's how I always like to, you know, frame it because we are doing that. We are helping them feel empowered and independent to move forward and get over the sleep hurdle. And then after they're done working with us to be able to continue these skills and, and, and practice these things with their child to move forward with healthy sleep. And there's no reason there should be any regression. And, you know, like I was going back, sorry, I started and I, I didn't finish. The people that are kind of anti-sleep training, if you will, they're not reaching out to us. Yeah, right. They're not reaching out to us. Attachment parenters, and that's okay. You know, that's fine. And, and you know what? what everyone chooses, there's no right or wrong. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, down the road to start or say like attachment into attachment parenting. And then after they're a year, they're like, can't do this anymore. I don't know why I got into this. You know, it's not benefiting any of us right now and they're ready. Right. And it's their choice. We don't try and convince anyone to change their, you know, beliefs or, you know, if they want to continue attachment parenting and work with us, we, you know, say, you know what, you do you. We don't work that way because we don't feel it will work long-term, but please like, you know, do what works for you, whatever makes the parent happy. And that's all that we really care about at the end of the day, that people get a choice and are comfortable with whatever choice they choose. And that's great to know that at the end of the day, we're just supporting each other and you guys are just helping the people that 
are really looking for help and there to support them. And yeah, you just have to find the right option for you. So I love that. That's so great. You actually said something really interesting earlier that I wanted to ask. You said, you know, removing like the pacifier or something like that. But I know that you said that like a lovey or you said stuffed animals slash lovey can be a good soother. I know that some parents think, oh, but a pacifier is a way to help them self-soothe. But then you're talking about taking that away. But then a lovey is something for them to suck on. So can you kind of differentiate about what that means? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, basically like anything that requires a child, like it's, or, you know, to get a child from A, awake to B, asleep, you know, if they need something to get them there, like sucking motion, comfort, and, you know, then they wake up in the middle of the night and it's fallen out of their mouth and they have to put it back in again or get a parent to put it back in again. They need that for sleep. Right. Most children don't need the lovey for sleep. They'll use it if they just, you know, can like just get a little bit of comfort from it, but it's not like a motion. Uh, it's not a, a lulling effect. Like, it's not like a sleep crutch kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a prop. It's not a crutch. It's it's a comfort item. Whereas a soother or a pacifier in the States, you know, is something that they require. So if anything that a baby needs to go from awake to asleep, whether it's being rocked, you know, that pacifier or rub to sleep, whatever it is, that is a crutch or a prop as we call it. So we like the little one to be able to go into their crib awake, be able to self-soothe, and then drift off to sleep on their own. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And also, I just wanted to point out something that kind of, maybe this is wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were explaining it, how we were saying like, you know, how you're basically coaching the parent, not the baby. It's not training the baby to sleep. It's really training and working with the parent. It kind of reminded me of like, the dog whisperer and how the dog's not the problem. It's the owner. And we have to correct the owners and teach them how to properly do things to get the kind of behavior that we want. And in your case, it's sleep, good, healthy sleep. And so you're really working with the parent rather than the baby. Did I get that right? Yes, we totally work with the parents. And that's what we're doing is we're teaching the parents how to teach the little ones to sleep and making sure Both parents, if there's two parents in the house, are fully on board. They're working together as a team. And even if there's, you know, grandparents involved, whatever it is, we're training them to. And it's, you know, good times sometimes when we get those Italian grandmothers (laughs) that don't want to do anything but hold the child and feed the child, which is adorable. But everyone has to be on board. But we train parents. That's great. I love that. Okay, so we hear a lot about the environment babies should sleep in. What is your opinion on that thought process that, you know, you should leave the curtains open and keep things loud, like running the vacuum under your baby's crib, like when they're napping to ensure that they're going to be a good sleeper? Well, I kind of liken it to this. Like, think about this. If you were in a bedroom with the lights on and your husband was vacuuming and your kids running around screaming and the doorbell's ringing, would you be able to sleep? Yeah, no. (laughs) I'd be living. How could a baby with, like, limited sleep skills be able or be expected to sleep through that? So I am very much in the mindset that, Children should be in a dark, 
cool room. If there's a, a noise machine, that's often good, especially if there's a loud house or hustle and bustle or, you know, pets or other children, whatever the case may be. Dark, cool, and like quiet. That's it. You know, and the reality is, is I know that not everywhere you go, it's going to be like that. But we can replicate that in a lot of places. Go to a friend's house, use their bedroom for a nap with the pack and play, a white noise machine, their sleep sack, whatever they're using, or a big walk-in closet, dark, cool, all that stuff. You know, so we can replicate that in a lot of places. And, you know, you go for dinner and the little one's in a stroller and falls asleep. It is life. You put the cover over, create some darkness, and the baby falls asleep in that environment, great. And usually when a baby is a good sleeper and a baby is rested and has the skills to sleep, they will sleep anywhere when their sleep time is, has come up. Might it take them longer sometimes? Yes. But should we expect them to just sleep wherever? Oh, oh nap time. You know, we're in Starbucks and we're going to cruise to HomeSense and you got to fall asleep now when mom shops, even though like a million things are going on. No way. Yeah. Unless they're like a brand new newborn, right? Sure. And they'll sleep through anything. Yeah. And that's where I think people think like, oh, if they're a newborn, they can sleep through anything. So you can leave the lights open. But really, when you're trying to develop good sleep habits, you're saying, no, 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 it is important to to take these things into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah, newborn, they're more apt to sleep wherever, but you still want to put them in a safe, dark, cool space. And, and also usually moms want to kind of be home and to do some stuff during that precious like sleeping time anyway. For sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. So all babies seem to be on a different timeline when it comes to sleep. I've experienced this with my own children. We're very different sleepers. Do you believe that it takes months for, well, obviously you didn't because you said it took three days, but people will be, oh, it takes months for babies to learn to sleep at through the night. Like what is your thought process on that? And I guess what I should also ask is like probably when babies can start going through this sleep coaching, training, whatever you want to call it, because yeah, maybe one age, you know, if you're going at it at eight months old versus four months old, it's a different experience. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, most people see us around the six month mark. We worked with kids up to age 10, 11, like literally. So anything's fixable. It doesn't matter what age. Yeah. So no, that is a myth because it doesn't take months. For instance, you know, when a little one is coached properly or someone works on their own child at home, read it with reads books or blogs or whatever they're doing. It can be a few days. Like when we work with clients, our little ones are sleeping through the night within 10 days or less. And we actually guarantee that. And it's when they follow our plan, they work with us and, you know, babies complete 360 in that time. And, uh, you know, the older children, maybe, you know, the toddlers up, you know, out and about the three, four or five year olds, they're a little bit harder, but most of them for sure are staying in their beds or we've tackled their habits within a couple of weeks. But obviously sometimes those can be a little bit tougher because they are walking, talking and all over the place. They have so, opinions. <laughs> they sure do. And uh, yeah, so little ones, I mean, I personally love working with six, seven month olds. They're like easy breezy and it's a good time because they're usually down to two naps. So it's a really good time for mom too. She's settled in. She's had a lot of time with her baby. Most moms or parents are at the kind of point of 
exhaustion around that mark. And, you know, then so two hours, so they're up for three hours at a time. So it's nice because mom and dad get time with their baby when they're not just short wake windows. Then they get two nice naps to kind of get their stuff done or do what they need to do to, you know, take care of themselves. And then baby sleeps 11, 12 hours a night. So I always loved coaching that age. And I actually personally really loved that age as a mom because I found kind of like, oh, I kind of have a little bit of a life and things change. So it's so true. It's so true. I want to say that with my son, he was really good at, you know, just little cues of us helping him learn to sleep. He was sleeping through the night and every mom will roll their eyes and hate me right now at like 12 weeks, Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 weeks ish. And my daughter, oh no, she was waking up every hour for months. And finally at six months old, she's like, okay, mom, I will like get it together and started finally sleeping. So it really is like six months. I tell parents, I'm like, oh, if you can get to the six month mark, it can get better. It's true. (laughs) It really is true. And you know, and there's a lot of people too who think sleeping through the night is five hours. I have people like, you know, you run into people and they're like, oh yeah, my baby's sleeping through the night. I'm like, oh yeah, like so 12 hours? Oh no, five hours. And he wakes up and has a dream feed and goes back to sleep. I'm like, that's not sleeping through the night. No, 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 no. I mean, that's better than every hour. So there's the positive. It sure is. But it's like, yeah, in our world, that is not sleeping through the night. And then when we tell them what we can do, they're like, what? Oh my gosh. Okay. Sign me up. (laughs) Oh man. So Jeannie, are there any common sleep misconceptions that I haven't listed that you guys come across that you kind of want to clear up for our listeners? A lot of people think that their babies can do one thing during the week and then do another thing on the weekend. Like they actually kind of feel that their babies can be like robots. What? Yeah. A lot of people be like, you know, I want my little one to sleep, you know, 630 at night during the week and wake up at six because we have to bring him to daycare or whatever. But on the weekends, I want him to go to sleep at the same time and wake up at nine because my husband, I like to sleep in. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> That's not happening. You just need to, like, enjoy the now newfound time we've given you with all this sleep that you can have, you know, and, like, you might won't need that sleep in because you're going to have that time to sleep. But anyway, that's one thing that people, for some reason, think that they can change weekly. They think that they can make whatever schedule they want and then the baby will adapt. And some dads, I remember having um, the dad was a hairdresser and he didn't get home till like 9.30 at 10 at night. And he was adamant. He wanted his child to be up. He wanted the child to go to bed 11 o'clock at night so he could see him. But the child had to get up in the morning for daycare uh, or whatever it was the next day at like 7.30 or something. But he like absolutely thought that that was more than enough sleep and that we should be able to adjust the schedule to that time. And I was like, not a chance, like not a chance. That took some convincing, but we got him on board because the wife was just like a disaster, right? Oh, yeah. That's so hard when when one parent wants one thing, because I get it. They want that quality time. But then the other parent's like, yeah, but I'm here full time with this kid and I'm beat. Like I need some normalcy. And also too, like I was saying to the dad, like what kind of quality time is it at 11 o'clock when your child is probably a disaster? Yeah. No, that's not quality bonding time. No. No. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So when it comes to baby sleep, what is your best advice for new parents? Honestly, my, my best advice would simply be to, as a new parent, I have like two pieces of advice. And I would, 
make sure that a newborn is not up for longer than an hour in the early days. The number one thing people do is stretch their newborn. They're visiting They're you know, like they're not honoring sleep because, you know, it's busy. It's hectic. They don't know what they're doing because it's new. We're new, you know, new moms, new parents. So 45 minutes to an hour, number one, like honor that awake time and nap, 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 nap in the early days and start a schedule. Just start following a schedule and, you know, just be regimented and consistent with little routines, whether it be, you know, just quick nap routine, quick bedtime routine when the baby can, you know, start having a regular bath, doing these rituals because babies love consistency. They love routine. If we have their schedule down pat and we're honoring the sleep the best we can, given what we know or what sleep skills they have at the time, and then keeping things consistent. So the child is understanding what time of day it is, what's happening next until they like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, that's right, it's bath time, means I'm going for the big long sleep soon. It sounds so so simple, and it really, it is simple, but it's not when you have your hands full with the baby. So, you know, and I also really always say too, and I, I mentioned it earlier, like there's no right or wrong, and there's no beating ourselves, there shouldn't be any beating ourselves up because next door neighbor is saying her baby is sleeping, you know, through the night after three weeks or whatever. Don't beat yourself up. It's all new and everything is fixable. There's no right or wrong. There really isn't. Yeah. Do you love that? Any final thoughts or advice for our listeners, Janie? You know, there's no right or wrong. Don't beat yourself up and things will get better. And if you really are struggling with sleep, that it's okay. It is normal. And there is a fix for it if they want to fix. Right. And there's a, a whole bunch of different ways to do it. It's just up to them who they choose and, you know, how they want to work through their sleep issues. Love it. Now, Janie, people are going to be like, okay, I'm sold. I need to sleep. Where can our listeners find you and learn more? Well, they can, we're on Instagram at we sleep, W-E-E sleep. Tons of great information on there always being posted. And then our website obviously is wee-sleep.com. And great blog posts, um, great articles on there, lots of resources. And we do offer complimentary 50 minute phone calls. So you can book a call directly with a consultant right online. Boom, boom, boom. It's super quick, really easy. And you can talk through the struggles that you're having and, and hear more about kind of our advice and support options and what that would look like. And, you know, we love helping families however we can, you know, and that 50 minute call people absolutely love because it's also sometimes just a breath of fresh air for people to talk to someone and to hear that someone can help them. So we're there for all the tired parents. We've got lots of people to help. (laughs) Perfect. Janie, this was so helpful and interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and elaborating on some of these sleep myths for us. I know this will be really helpful for our parents out there who are struggling with sleep. Well, I hope so. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Janie, as she said, you can visit her on her website at wee-sleep.com or on Instagram at wee-sleep. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chicks Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'd love it if you could leave us an honest review. Cheers to more and better sleep for you and your baby.